All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our system of picking a president is a disaster. If you are not today as a Minnesotan or a Western Wisconsin resident sitting there thinking, what happened? It's over? We're done? We didn't even vote. We have barely had anybody as a country officially weigh in, and it's over. It's Jason. Welcome to Drive Time. I assert this is the dumbest campaign in my lifetime. And my struggle over the last 24 hours after Ron DeSantis stepped out, and to be clear, I don't care that Ron DeSantis stepped out. I don't. He was a terrible candidate who ran sort of a goofy campaign, which was surprising because I certainly thought if there were no Trump, this was DeSantis's race to lose. But nobody's voted. Iowa, I mean, yeah, a couple Iowans caucused. I wouldn't even really consider the Iowa caucus Iowans weighing in. And here we stand on the eve of the New Hampshire primary, and this thing's pretty much over. This is not how anybody should want democracy to work. So what do we do about it? Are you as frustrated as I am? 651-461-9226. Is this a quirk of the fact that essentially you have two incumbents running for president? You really do. Joe Biden, the actual incumbent. Donald Trump, whose supporters have been acting like he had this stolen from him. And so he is still the rightful president which is crazy. Is this a quirk of two presidents or is there something else going on? Is this the breakdown of our state by state, very long drawn out system of selecting presidential candidates? And is this just how it's going to be? 651-461-9226. That's really the question I've been struggling with. Is this a quirk of these two? And obviously, you know, historically in my lifetime, there have been a couple times where there have been challenges to an incumbent president. Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter was the incumbent. And Ted Kennedy won a couple of primaries. That was back in a more quaint time when we used to vote. We would have actual elections instead of just public opinion polls, and then everybody would drop out. And then Pat Buchanan. Remember when Pat Buchanan ran against George Herbert Walker Bush on the Republican side? And Pat Buchanan, actually, uh, I don't think he won any of the primaries or caucuses, but he peeled off a fair number of delegates against George Bush, the senior. So we have had times where the incumbent president has been challenged. 
But this is really not so much about what we're seeing on the Democratic side of of the ledger here. This is really a Republican phenomenon where a heavyweight candidate comes in and clears the field. I mean, Super Tuesday is a month and a half away. Minnesota started early voting, which on Friday I was claiming was too early. But maybe early voting should start three months before the election because it seems like we're not even going to get a voice. 651-461-9226. Love to hear if you think this is, well, there are two questions for you. One, is this a quirk? Will things go back to normal in 2028? Two, who do we blame? Whose fault is this? Because I've been struggling with that, too. When I shared my thought, Dan, that Mm. this is a disaster. This is a disaster. No matter what your politics are, no matter who you were choosing for, the fact that the primary process is over before it really started sucks. It's not good. No, it's not good for anybody. And, you know, you you hear all the time when just anecdotally when you're talking to people, nobody wants Trump Biden part two. Nobody wants it. And yet the people that show up to vote, the people that, you know, talk to pollsters all want one of the two. Yes. So we sort of left in this weird spot. I want to just find like if that were the conclusion to the voting process, let us vote and give us options. Right. And I don't blame Ron DeSantis. Like, if you're Ron DeSantis and you're looking, well, I blame him for a crappy campaign. Terrible campaign, yeah. But I don't blame him for dropping out, right? If you're looking who to blame. Yeah, and ethically, is it moral to ask your supporters to volunteer for what you know is an absolute losing cause? Well, and and at the end of the day, you know, you're looking for who to point a finger at. Part of it is the system that we've set up where, you know, money runs the show. And the reason that you have people dropping out is not – I mean, you look at the number of people that showed up to caucus in Iowa. It was tiny. And yet Iowa completely reshaped the race to the point where you know, DeSantis was trying his best to spin it, that they punched their ticket out of Iowa, which was never a stated goal. But that was going to be the big headline he wanted to put up. And his donors said, no, sorry, we're going to go with Trump. Right. So the, the, the fact that it takes so much money to run for president, to run a feasible campaign for president, means that it's who's controlling the money that decides who's going to go, not really any votes. 651-461-9226. You know, I've been thinking about the money impact on this. And again, the Trump scenario, like I don't know if huge, huge money is lined up behind Trump. And I don't know if the money matters for Trump because he's just such a, a, a giant in terms of people's loyalty. I mean, when I was talking about this with my wife, she said it's really like two incumbent presidents are running. And I think that uh, that resonated with me. So so part of me is optimistic. And I think, well, this is just a quirk in 2028. We'll go back to the way things used to be. And then part of me is very pessimistic where I think this idea that you have to have a big name or you have to have a ton of money or like. If we're done by Iowa and New Hampshire, like it's time to get rid of the farce of having kind of staggered election days and just go to one day, have a primary on the same day. It'll all be national. They won't really come visit the states. They can just 
buy national TV ads and do interviews with their side. It's just such a change. And maybe it is just changing. That's what I want your input on. It's 651-461-9226. Jason says one texter. This is a result of our political system having stopped working decades ago. Each election, whether it's presidential or for can, uh, Congress, is an absolute waste of everyone's time because neither party gets anything done. This has become a popularity contest based on individuals. Uh, I think president, presidential elections have always been a popularity contest to a certain degree. The debate has been more about issues. And this is really about people. You hate Biden or you hate Trump. Some people love Trump. There aren't a ton of people who love Biden. Is that accurate? That's sort of my assessment of the mood of people. I mean, I think approval there, ratings are to be believed, yeah. I think there are people who love the Biden administration. So the stuff the Biden camp has gotten done. Uh, some people love that. Some people don't. But it's uh, I, I'm just worried for the future. And as as Minnesotans or Wisconsin residents, as you look at our role in this, you want to have a voice, right? You want to have a voice. That's the thing that most upsets me about all of this, that I feel like. We're getting robbed of our chance to weigh in. Let's talk to Mark in Minnetonka. He's on the CCO Talk and Text Line, 651-461-9226. Hey, Mark, do you, do you think this is more a quirk of these two, or is this a, a shift in how things are, are going to be? It's probably a little quirk, but I, I think that the, the whole system is crazy. I think it should just be on one day. You know, like whoever gets to vote first, they pick up momentum and then people change their votes because they, they get swayed. And I think if you had it all on one day and everyone picked who they wanted to, they, you know, they, they'd vote for who they want. Yeah. It doesn't change and people don't drop out and people might not drop out. There's enough technology where you can, everyone can see what policy everyone's running on and you don't need to have six months of, the same old thing. It drives you crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right, Mark. I think the, the, the reality is that social media, national cable news, it's just changed the way these elections are done in such a significant manner that, that perhaps we need to think about like whether having this quirky sort of state-by-state approach serves anyone well. I would say this time it sure didn't because we, we didn't even get to vote. Right. Too many people drop out before they get a chance to see everyone. Stupid. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Let's talk to Rob in Minneapolis. Rob, you're at 651-461-9226. What do you have to say? Hey, Jason. So I just found out recently about France's election, and I think we should do it. You're given four weeks to campaign. You cannot campaign anymore. You're also given the money by the government for your campaign. You cannot take any Hmm, private dollars. No outside money, yeah. Four weeks and you're done. It's not years. You're not spending a billion dollars, and that's the problem. Yeah. Who has a billion dollars <laughs> to run for an office or $500 million to run for office? Yeah, yeah, I like That's the problem. I, I agree. I think our system is so long, and I, I, I really, you know, I've struggled with, okay, how do you fix it? How do you change it? And maybe that's the way. 
You take some. Yeah, you, limit it. You, you limit it. You take the money out and just get it done. Thanks, Rob. And now it becomes you get to hear from the person and not from big mm. interest or anybody else yeah. or whatever it is. Oh, the you packs. Hear from the actual person. And for four weeks, we can focus on it. Not for four years. I mean, God. Oh. Yeah. I just remember four years ago, we just stopped this, and I don't think yes. the elections have ever stopped. I, I agree. Four, four weeks Thanks, would be guys. like a vacation. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Let's break. Pete, stay on the line. Lots of texts coming in here at 651-461-9226. Disaster. Disaster of a primary election. There's got to be a better way. Maybe you've got it. Let's talk about it next on CCO. A lot of you concerned about money in politics? One texter to 651-461-9226 saying after the Supreme Court decisions on Citizens United, the money involved in politics will only get worse. My other thought, besides Rob, who called in and suggested a shorter campaign cycle, how much would this process be better if we never had the results of a single poll prior to the election? If we as voters and the media as reporters didn't have any polls and you just had to cover people's ideas, people's crowds at events, you didn't have the shorthand of telling everyone, well, DeSantis is cooked. Nikki Haley's cooked. Nobody's got a shot against Trump. Does it become sort of self-fulfilling? When so much of the reporting is about poll information, it wasn't always this way. It wasn't. And I do think that's worth thinking about. I don't know. I'm not one to suppress information, so I don't know how you do that. It sounds like you're just saying we should make all pollsters illegal and be shot on sight. That's kind of what I'm hearing. I mean, I don't think they should be shot. It sounds that way. You know. Uh, I, I mean, I I don't know practically how you get rid of it, but I, I but I do think if you think would this process be better? Sure, DeSantis wouldn't have dropped out. The narrative wouldn't be it's over. Nikki Haley has some momentum going into New Hampshire. We'll see how she does tomorrow. But instead of it feeling like well it's over, everybody's lining up behind Trump. You might feel like, oh, we still now the end result might still be Trump wins. Right. right. Like I'm right. not a, I'm not arguing in this discussion against the result. Right. I'm arguing against the fact that we didn't get to vote. Yeah. The process is terrible. I mean, you're going to what's a, a, a scenario. I, should, I won't even call it likely. A scenario is Trump beats Haley fairly solidly tomorrow. Yep. Uh, and she drops out of the race after New Hampshire. And that means after one caucus and one primary. The race is over. That can't possibly be the best way to select a presidential candidate. But those them dropping out of the race isn't so much about polling. It could be influenced by polling. But the reason that they're going to drop out of the race, the reason that DeSantis dropped out of the race was because his donors all turned on him. And the reason that Haley will drop out of the race after New Hampshire is because her donors will abandon her. Right. And without the money, you can't run. You can't do it. And that's so it all, however you want to parse it, it all kind of comes back to the fact that it takes an insane amount of money to run for president. And that's not serving any of us well. Dan Cook laying it down. Just saying. And so what do you do about it? I don't know. We have decided that the ability to spend money is equivalent to a form of speech. 
The Supreme Court has decided that. And it sort of is. It sort of is. So what ends up becoming necessary then is a constitutional amendment saying this is how we're going to run presidential elections from here on out. If you want to use Rob's idea, whatever it is, four weeks, six weeks, money is limited to this coming either from the government or whatever. But this is because there's no other way around Citizens United at this point unless you you challenge it again somewhere down the line in a court that's completely remade because this court won't ever overturn that. So you're talking now you're talking 30, 40 years down the line before you'd even have a sniff of doing that. One texter says rank choice or instant runout runoff voting might be an option. You know, there are there are arguments to be had on that. I, my gut on that is it's generally speaking too complicated for a national election. Uh, we've seen some good results in local elections where it sort of tamps down on nasty campaigning because you want to be your opponent's supporter's second choice or third choice. So if you're a jerkwad on the campaign trail, uh, I, I'm open to it, I guess. Uh, I'm not super high on it for a presidential race, but maybe it does keep people in it longer. It's hard for me to see a scenario where anybody goes, uh, any future campaign goes too far down the road. That this same problem that Dan points out, that the money gets behind the winner, it's not really a, it's not really about policy. It's really about like who has the best chance, which that's what an election is. But we don't even get a chance to have like an exchange of ideas. Uh, let's quickly go to Pete in Northeast Minneapolis on the city's one uh, or on the WCCO talking text line. Pete, thanks for for hanging on. What do you have to say? Jason, you are my least favorite programmer mm. on this radio that has been on our mm-hmm. radio for for God seventy yeah. eighty years. What's what's the However, what's the what, pro- why why why, that, why am I the least favorite? Like that's a strange starter, Pete. So go ahead. Why am I your least favorite? Let me say this: ranked choice voting yeah. is so BS. Oh my God. <laughs> That that it was drummed up in Northeast Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Oh God. Uh, anyway, my family's been conservative all of our lives. My family's been Northeast for seven generations. Mm. Okay, let me let me begin by saying, um, I love your radio station. Secondly, I don't even know why the hell I called you this morning, <laughs> except, except, yeah. that, except that I can't live without you guys, Yeah, for starters. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Pete, you know, Pete, Pete loves me. He hates me. He loves me. He hates me. I think he loves the station. He hates me. I don't know what I got out of it. I think there's some other things that Pete loves, it sounds like. 331. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. So fun. We'll take a break and talk to Andrew Zimmern in just a minute here on CCO. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Well, we're just coming out of the very cold weather. Things are warming up a bit for our weather, but we know that they're warming for our climate overall and over the years. And it is affecting the way we eat and the availability of some of the things we eat. And that is the focus of a really cool dinner that's going on this weekend here in the Twin Cities. Andrew Zimmern is with us on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline. He is part of this effort, and he is my friend. It's so good to talk to you, Andrew. Good to talk to you, buddy. When you uh, first told me about this idea of a Last Supper as part of the Great Northern Festival, I thought, Andrew, this sounds really, really dark. This sounds a little dark. (laughs) Uh, uh, Tell us us kind of what the goal of this is. Well, I, I, I would like to see people to be immersed in the solution and come to the dinner prepared to eat delicious food, food that is threatened by our climate crisis. These foods do have existential issues associated with it, and we can talk about some of them as an example. Um, and uh, my friend Sam Cass, who was the White House chef the first year and a half of the first Obama administration, the first Obama term, and then became special advisor to the president and first lady on all things food, who is now one of the world's foremost experts uh, on uh, food politics and and climate, um, is coming into the Twin Cities, and he and I are hosting this dinner after we do a conversation over at the Swedish Institute. So I hope people go to the Great Northern uh, website and log on and get tickets. I know there are a couple left because it is an incredible opportunity to spend time talking with Sam and I about these issues while eating foods that are threatened. So here's why it's not dark. Because for a lot of these foods, we can make a difference. For a lot of foods, they're, that, that horse has already left the barn. They're gone. They're gone. Um, and I don't think people want to say bye-bye to wine to chocolate, to tomatoes, to bananas, uh, to salmon, to avocados, just off the top of my head, um, in the same way that we've said goodbye to the Apalachicola uh, oyster bed. At one point, the most productive oyster bed on planet Earth. Now there are zero, let me repeat, zero oysters coming out of Apalachicola Bay. Uh, And the reason is the rain moved. Water became more saline in the bay. Oyster drillers came in from further out. It's an invasive. It eats baby oysters. And within five years, they wiped out the most productive oyster bed on planet Earth. Perch, the Friday night fish fry staple in the upper Midwest. Minnesotans, Wisconsinites uh, have been dining on this for hundreds of years. Uh, and when you go to Milwaukee, still the last town to have big fish fry uh, participation, um, you look up on the menu board and it's salmon and halibut and trout. And for $32, you can have perch that comes from Canada. And the reason is, is that every year we lose one day on the ice out or gain one day on the ice out uh, on the Great Lakes on the United States side due to climate change. It's getting warmer. And over the last 30 years, because fish breed on a lunar cycle, the larger fish wake up and they eat the little baby perch 
the little baby perch don't rouse early and get a chance to eat and grow big enough to evade predators. They they wake up, and not only is there not enough food for them, but the predators are awake as well. Um, it's all due to climate change. And so as someone who's, you know, head-ass and overcoat involved in this stuff on both a, a state, federal, and global level, you know, the chocolate exists on a very narrow equatorial band uh, around the earth and slight uh, changes in uh, temperature. But most importantly with chocolate, all the wind and the storms have created less productive trees. So as with many foods, uh, extinction doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it's a process. And we're seeing the prices of chocolate grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Until such a point as it simply can't sustain and support itself. Um, what yeah. can we do about that? What well, Andrew, we let me let me just sam- salmon let, are stressed. Yeah, let let me just jump in for a second as we're talking to Andrew Zimmern here. Sunday night at seven o'clock is what they're calling the Last Supper with Sam Cass, who is the White House chef, Mark Collins, a chef at Hewing Hotel, and Andrew. And part of what I love about this idea is that when you talk about climate change, often people kind of go into their corners, their ideological corners, and say, well, the doomsday, you know, the skeptics say the doomsday predictions never came true. But the reality is food, because it's a farmed product, we are already seeing the effects. And we see it, uh, you know, coffee and wine are the ones that I think like those grapes and those those coffee beans are so, so sensitive. And uh, the fish. And Minnesotans care about the fish, and, and they're seeing effects already in our state from the, some of the warming water and the changes we're having in our winters. So I do feel That's like right. this is a way to have this conversation that it, it gives people an entry. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And this is not left or right. This is not red or blue. This is simply a forward issue. A few degrees in ocean temperature and the lobsters – are marching further north. Yeah. We'll pay more money because the majority of them will come from Canada. We're coming out of a 20-year period where the majority were coming out of Maine and lobster prices were at an all-time low seven, six, seven years ago. They're seeing smaller and smaller numbers as the marchers, as the lobsters march north. Salmon are endangered because, you know, and, and I hear from people all the time, well, they just will swim in deeper ocean water. Remember, they spawn in rivers. Right. So they're coming into shallower waters. River temperatures in the Pacific Northwest are getting warmer and warmer faster than the ocean temperature is for obvious reasons. Uh, and there's less snow. There's less runoff. I mean, you could just keep adding it all up. The salmon will stop showing up to spawn there. And it's, I mean, look, last couple of years, I think it's been front page of the news. Where are those red crabs, right? Dungeness crabs was delayed for, I think, the sixth year in a row. And quite frankly, when it comes to wine, anyone who lives in Minnesota, our summers, just like those in France, remember last summer, all those reports in France and England, as the temperature during the day is setting records, we're also having warmer nights. Grapes need cooler nights to develop the sugars and the acidity. And so wine makers are experimenting with we crush early do we crush late now that involves decision making where you're going to have less acidity or greater number of sugars 
problem is, is that the Appalachians are going to be affected. Will we have grapes to make juice from and put bubbles into it to make sparkling wine? Yes. Will it be more expensive? You bet. At some point, will we not be able to enjoy sparkling wine made in the Appalachian of Champagne? Absolutely correct. And it may not be that much longer. It may take as little as nine or ten years. And so... What you're seeing, even though some people say, no, he's talking about lobster and salmon and champagne, it is going to drive up food costs higher and higher and higher. So many people say uh, when they look at the front page, well, the economy is doing great. I'm still paying too much at the supermarket checkout. The reason, One of the reasons that food is more expensive is that there's actually less of it. Because it takes so much water to grow avocados, for example, prices are rising. Hmm. Because it takes so much, you know, so many hands uh, and certain temperatures to grow and harvest tomatoes, as that moves around and it's too hot for tomatoes on the vine in a state like Tennessee or Kentucky, two states that produce a lot of tomatoes, um, we are forced to make different choices. And quite frankly, Aquaculture and hydroponics are a solution, but we have to pursue a broad-based range of solutions. It's not a there's no magic pill to this. Yeah. We have to make some really tough decisions as a society, and we're going to be exploring all of them uh, Sunday night at the at the Hewing. And and I have to say, I, I know people are are listening and saying, you know, well, Andrew Zimmer and I hear from him all the time. That's right. I, I live here. They're stuck with me. <laughs> but to have Sam Cass come into town a night and to have access to him in a small intimate surrounding person who literally is the advisor to presidents congressional committees uh both sides of the aisle uh to big food companies and small food companies uh one of the truly smartest voices on these topics and more um i just think is a once in a lifetime and the food Mark and his team at the Hewing are creating a great menu. It's a little bit of, su- of a surprise uh, for various reasons, um, but I would encourage people to go to the website and join us because it is going to be a dinner and conversation that's not to be missed and an important one to have. Really cool. Andrew, I love it. I think it's super exciting and the Great Northern, the whole festival that starts uh, this week, kind of encompassing some of the things we love about our winter. Uh you know, the the fact that it's going to be super warm next week uh, is good and bad, but it does underscore some of the reason that we're, we're talking about these issues as we celebrate kind of what makes our climate in Minnesota special. Well, that's, that's exactly right. And people who want tickets can just go to the great northern festival dot com. Uh, I mean, take a sauna, listen to a concert. Uh, go to a talk, but please buy a ticket for our dinner. It really is going to be, I, I just think it's something really important. I, I, I'm a lotus eater just like everyone else, and I, I think saunas and and concerts and speaking events and stuff like that is vitally important, and we should be enjoying our cold climate up here in January and February in Minnesota. But this dinner is, I think, one of the most important food events to happen in the Twin Cities in the last 20 years, in my opinion, and I'd like people uh, to come and support it. Andrew, thank you. We appreciate it. Andrew Zimmern with us, and check out those tickets at thegreatnorthernfestival.com. Maybe the right song to play for our recounting of my night in Stillwater.
the air temperature too below the hot tub just right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was in Stillwater, and we don't have a hot tub at our house. Some of you are hot tub people. I think hot tubs are underrated. Underrated. They are great, especially in the winter. There's something cool about, like, the steam rising from the hot tub as your hair freezes on the top of your head. My brother uh, has one at his house, and he's got three kids, 10 and under. Mm. And they all just love, I mean, they're using the thing constantly. Sure. They love, especially during the winter. Yeah. Like said, they love going outside and going swimming as they do <laughs> during the winter. So we stayed at the Hotel Crosby in uh, downtown Stillwater because uh, some friends of ours were getting engaged. And she said yes, which made the rest of the evening much more enjoyable. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we, we decided to spend the night and that was a good call because by, well, we would have behaved differently if we were not spending the night, but by the end of the night, we're in no position to drive anywhere. Um, we got kicked out of the hot tub. What? What were you doing that you can say on the radio? (laughs) Well, it, I, it was just closing time. That sounded more dramatic ah, than it was. Yeah, that was that was that should have been a much better story. Than that. It would have been better, but we, they let you they let you stay up there till midnight. I was sort of surprised, honestly. They like they had the hot tub open, two below air. Now this hot tub, let's be honest, this is not like the state fair hot tub special, right? The one that's rolling around in your backyard or whatever. Mm. This was like a. It looked like a swimming pool. You know, it was nice. I highly, highly recommend it. Still water. If you're using Chad's nomenclature, properly rated, I would say. Still water is beloved. Don't you think? Like, you don't hear people say like, oh, still water. It sucks. Have not heard that. No, no. It's great. Right on the river. They had the world snow sculpting championships going on. We walked around and saw these giant. Amazing, amazing snow sculptures. Catch them while you can. Well, clock's t- <laughs> clock is ticking. That's for sure. Kate Raddatz coming up after Laura. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.